Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. I told Brother Joe, and I was talking to Miss Jan in the back before church, so I'm just going to quit studying before Sunday morning. What's the point? Because I walk in and God changes it all right when I walk in every time. So, amen. I'm just kidding. You need to study. Amen. Uh, and, and eventually, the Lord will let me preach that message that I preached for two weeks. It's obviously not quite time yet, because uh, this morning I did get up and uh, began looking over things again, and, and I was like, well, yeah, I think this is good, and just kind of refreshed myself, and was like, we're good, we're ready. And then about five minutes before we came down, the Lord took my heart and mind a totally different direction. Uh, so y'all pray for me, because I'm probably about to make a mess out of it, but I want to be obedient. Amen? Uh, in fact, obedience is better than sacrifice, the Bible tells us. Amen. So it is more important that I am obedient than it is that I am anything else. Can you say amen right there? It is more important that when God gives direction that I say yes, sir, than it is anything else. I mean, I I am His servant. This is His church. Amen. Y'all are His people. If you're saved this morning, you're a child of God. And uh, my job, if you will, if I'm serving God as the pastor as the way it's supposed to be, is to follow Him because He's the head of the church. Amen. So that's what I want to do. Uh, Before I do, let me just say I am uh, glad to be back at our church this morning. We've had a wonderful week. We really did. Uh, But I always look forward after going away to something like that to coming back and trying to bring something back with me. Amen. I I wrote down a lot of things this week in my notes and uh, had a lot of thoughts the Lord gave me. And I wrote down and and hopefully be able to kind of deal with some things over the next several weeks or months or whatever the Lord wants if I get the chance. Uh, but I, I really am, am just glad to be here with you all this morning, and I hope that you're here looking for something from God. Because uh, me personally, I don't really have anything for you. Uh, I don't have any great knowledge or wisdom that I could impart to you. But I do have a Bible. And that's what you need this morning. Amen. You need God's Word. Uh, And I know that today it is the 3rd of July. We are obviously taking some time to honor uh, our our nation, amen, and to be thankful. The Bible says, in in everything, give thanks, amen. Now, there's a little bit, I don't know if you all have noticed, but there there has become somewhat of a stigma around showing thankfulness for your country in church. Uh, All the people who don't want to show thankfulness for their country are trying to say that being patriotic is idol worship. So let me say this, Uh, you should not worship your country, but you should be thankful for your country. In fact, it's biblical that we should be thankful that God has given us a place where we can come together and worship Him in freedom. Amen. Some of our neighbors are stripping away those freedoms. In Canada right now, they're putting people in prison for political wrongness, what they would call political wrongness. They're putting preachers in prison for having church. Amen. God help us. You better thank God that we hadn't quite got there in this country. Amen. Say, well, I don't like the way this is going or the way that is going. Well, let me just say this. Our our nation as a nation's history is one nation under God. Now, I know President Obama made the statement that we are no longer a Christian nation. And he made that statement not, I don't believe, out of just some evilness of his own heart. Honestly, it is an indictment on a lot of the people in our nation. Amen. That people inside our country have strayed from Christianity. Can we agree? They've strayed from God. But we live here, don't we? And we're God's people, aren't we? As long as there is a remnant, we're still one nation under God. As long as there is a remnant and we still have a God in heaven, and by the way, that day will never end when we will not have a God in heaven. There is always going to be a God in heaven on the throne. We can say thank God for every day of freedom we've had for every opportunity we've had to go to his house and to stand and raise a hand and praise to him and to read the Bible and not have fear about it. Amen. 
So be thankful for the country God's allowed you to be born in. I still believe it is the greatest country in the whole world. Amen. And in fact, you say, well, you know, our country's going this way, it's going that way. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, God just won a great victory in our country. And you better thank Him for that. And I'll just tell you right now, uh, the things that are going on in the Supreme Court with, with protecting the children of our nation is possibly one of the greatest victories we've ever had as a country. So you better thank God. And, hey, and don't lose heart. God is still God. Amen. And this story ain't over yet because he's wrote the ending and we ain't got there yet. Amen. That was just a little free commercial. Thank God for your country. Thank God for being free. But as I consider freedom this morning, we know that being an American does not make you free indeed. Can you say amen? The truth is, if you are a human being this morning and you have never been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if you're American, Chinese, European, Canadian, you are in bondage. You're in bondage. You're a slave to self and sin. That's what the Bible says. That you have never been set free. So I'm glad to say this morning I'm double free. Hallelujah. Free from sin and in a free country. But I want you to take your Bible, and I, and I really do want you to take your Bible. If you've got your Bible this morning, pick it up. I want to hear some pages turning to 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, there's a couple. I, I know Miss Jana puts the verses up here, and she's going to do that now for these opening verses. But there will be some throughout the sermon this morning. I want you to go with me, and I want you to look in your Bible uh, at, at, at teen camp, at all the teen camps and everything. Anytime you go together, one thing they always like to do for competitions, and by the way, let me mention this as well, they'll always do competitions, and they'll, put all the, they'll make teams. And sometimes they split them up. Sometimes you're different churches or teams. This week, because of the way the numbers went, our church and New Water, my dad's church, were one team. They called them New Calvary. I said, I ain't sure that's doctrinal, but whatever. Uh, so they called them the New Calvary Group. And uh, at the end of the week, they tally up all the points. And there was, you know, 180 or so kids there. And guess what? New Calvary was team of the week. Say amen right there. And I'll tell you how they did it. Are you ready? Memorizing Bible verses. They give them a book, and it's got all these verses. And for every verse that a kid memorizes and quotes to a counselor, they get a point. We blew every team completely out of the water. Because we were like kids, memorize your verses, memorize your verses. Say, oh, well, we, we got lost in, in volleyball. We got last in volleyball or whatever. Did you get last in volleyball? New water, new water got what? The counselors won volleyball. You can say amen right there. But you say, you know, what, how are we going to win this? How are we going to win this? Because they do Bible drills. You know what Bible drills are? Y'all ever, anybody, anybody not know what a Bible drill is? Raise your hand if you've never heard of a Bible drill. That's where we give you a verse, and the first one to get there stands up. And you read it, and you get the point. Man, they were doing them mean ones this week where they had to get to the longest verse in the Bible and tell me the 61st word in that verse and count. Well, our kids were like, you know, we were got to practice for next year because some of them, I'm telling you, they're cheating. That's got to be the way it is. I want you to take your Bible and turn. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, and this is from the Apostle Peter, he said, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness. That word wantonness means just wickedness. I mean, just no restraint. Wanton means no restraint. It is just letting loose and just anything goes. And can I tell you that we're living in that day today? And man always wants this. This is the true heart of the deception of the darkness. The heart of man is to do whatever they want without consequences. Amen? And that's what that wantonness is. It said, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. I can say amen right there. Have you ever escaped out of that uncleanness and wantonness, been saved? Verse number 19, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. There's that word we talked about just a second ago. For if after they have, what's that word? Escape. Let's say it again. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again, say this word with me, entangled. Let's do that again. Ready? They are again entangled again, or entangled therein, and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness 
then after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. I read that verse and I have to say, those are some strong words, Peter. Those are some strong words. It would have been better if they had never known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to then turn again from the holy commandment that was delivered unto them. That is a hard statement to make. You say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I'm sorry, but it's in the Bible. Therefore, it's the Word of God. Therefore, it's right. And God put it in there for you and for me. Verse 22, But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Peter is preaching a hard message. And he is not pulling any punches. When the preacher gets up and says, y'all are like sows rolling back in the filth, that's not, that's not easy preaching. And by the way, I didn't call nobody a sow. Amen. He said, like the dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow was washing her wallowing in the mire. So why would he talk about dogs turning to their vomit? Now, I don't want to be gross. Y'all ever had a dog? You ever had one follow this proverb? I have. It's gross. Can we all say amen? That's gross. We had a dog for years. Her name was Maisie. She was a boxer, and she would come in the house in the winter because she was a short-haired dog and, and honestly just a sissy, so we let her in the house in the winter. And uh, we put her in her cage, and if she would drink too much water, she'd get sick every time. And, you know, at first we cleaned it up, but then I realized you don't really have to clean it up. Just leave it for a second, and she'll take care of it. Say, that's disgusting. You're right, that is disgusting. That's why Peter wanted to use that. He was referencing that proverb from the book of Proverbs because it should be that repulsive. Some of y'all, I just saw y'all like, oh man, is he going to keep talking? I'm not. This ain't youth camp. I'm not going to keep talking about gross stuff. But I'll tell you this, Peter was trying to send a strong message. The strong message is this. It's disgusting once you've been cleansed to go back to the filth. Amen? Say, wow, we're gearing up for a great message this morning. But in this time of year, 4th of July, we consider our freedom. I told you before, if you've been saved, you've been, the Bible says, made, made free indeed. Amen. You've been set free from sin, cleansed and washed away. And I want to try and show you that this morning because my mom always used to sing a song, and, and she sang it more in recent years. I've always loved it. It's called, When I Knelt the Blood Fell, and you all know that song. And the very first part of that song takes off, sin is a captive. It binds and it holds. And when I was a kid, I didn't understand that statement, sin is a captive. I was like, is that, that doesn't make sense. It sounds like bad grammar. But the truth is, sin is a captive. What it is, is it is a trap. Sin is addictive. It's captivating. And it binds and it holds. That's what it does. When sin gets a foothold in your life, it will never be satisfied with that foothold. It will only ever be satisfied if it can crawl up and consume your body like a cancer, like a sickness, like a, because sin is a disease. Amen. It is a communicative disease that you can pass from one person to the next. Can you say amen? It is a filthy, leprous disease. And it will never be satisfied until it has gathered its wages. And what are the wages of sin? Death. Sin is a captive. It binds and holds. And, and as I have grown up in the Lord and been saved, and I have learned to know that that is true, I understand it is a powerful statement. We've often heard that phrasing, sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And I can tell you that that is a fact. I have seen in my, with my own eyes, and I've experienced in my own life in the 15-ish or so years of being in ministry, and even before that, when I was in the youth group at our church, I have seen sin take people farther than they meant to go, keep them longer than they meant to stay, and take from them more than they ever wanted to pay. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've experienced the cost of sin in my life. And, and when I look at sin, I look at, and I look at freedom, I understand this. Sin is bondage. 
bound. We often refer to the chains of sin. Heard that? It's like being imprisoned. Do any of y'all know what I'm talking about this morning? You ever experienced the chains of sin? You want to get loose, but it just keeps holding you down. You ever experienced that? You ever been like that dog? You ever been like that one he's talking about, and you keep going back and keep going back to the same old sins? You ever struggle with that? Well, here's the truth. A sinner can never become unentangled in their own sin by the power of their own flesh. There is no amount of reading the Bible, no amount of praying, no amount of living right, no amount of going to every church and every synagogue and every cathedral and every mosque in the world and to give your life, as the Bible said, give everything you have and sell it uh, to give to the poor and give your own body to be burned that can free you from sin. The only thing that can free us from sin is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. And that's it. That is the period exclamation point right there. There's nothing else but faith in Christ. Say, well, amen. Have you been saved this morning? Raise your hand if you say, I gladly. I, I have been saved. Amen. Hallelujah. You've been saved. You know what that means? You have been set free. July 4th is an important day for our country because of the history of our country. But July 4th and, and that day all those many years ago with the signing of the Declaration of Independence is a great day. But you know what? It's not quite as great a day as the day that Jesus paid our sin debt. No day has ever been that great. In fact, without that day, there'd be no July 4th. There'd be no United States of America without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. And our forefathers who wanted that freedom to worship their God. Amen. When I think on freedom, I think of being saved. I understand this in the verses we just read. Here is something that I'm afraid sometimes we miss. Here's what Paul said. Sin hath no more dominion over you if you're under grace. Here's what that means. If you're saved, you're free from sin. And you do not have to live in the bondage of sin. Sin can't take you if you're saved. Because you've been saved. You've been set free. But the people that Peter is talking about in 2 Peter in chapter number 2 are not people who have been taken by sin. It is people who have gone back, bent down, picked up their sin. It's not something that is happening to them. It is something they are doing to themselves. Can you say amen? They are entangling themselves again. We read that word and we said it together. Remember there in verse number 20, it said, For if they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again, what's that word? Entangled. Thank you, Brother Joe. Now all the rest of us, ready? Just like we're in Sunday school, it says that Jesus, they are again, what's that word? Entangled. Thank you very much. I want you to hear that word and I want you to understand it. That word entangled, it means twisted together interwoven in a confused manner, intricate, perplexed, involved, ensnared. It is a bondage. And he is speaking of Christians. He says it. He says they, they have learned the way of righteousness. Haven't they? They have learned. And then after being freed from their bondage, they have again turned again to their corruption. That's what they've done. As a dog who has left that filth, they have then gone back to that filth. Have you ever known a Christian to do that? Have you ever done that? Gone back to something that you know is filth? You know is corruption? After being set free and you did right and you're on the path of righteousness, then one day you just got tempted and you went back to it and then you just started picking it up again and again. He said this, he talked about they have escaped the pollutions of this world but then what they have done is they have gone back and they have once again began to weave sin back into their lives. And when they do that, they're laying traps for themselves. So that even if they try to go forward now, they have allowed sin to come back into their life and they have become entangled. I, I, I want to talk this morning quickly, let me hurry if the Lord will help me, on the sad state of an entangled Christian. On this day when we celebrate our freedom... We should also observe ourselves that we might live free from sin. When you get saved, you become free from the punishment of sin. Can you say amen? 
If you've been saved, there is nothing you can do to get you back in the wrath of God being hell and the lake of fire. But, just because you've been saved does not mean that you are living in freedom from sin. Because as a Christian, you might choose to walk back into that cell, pluck up those chains, and place them again on your back. And you might do that not seeing it for the chains that it is, right? I often think of the old Christmas story of Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, and how he's visited by his old business partner, and when he sees him, he sees all those chains. He said, I forged these chains in my life, and now I bear them in my death. Those chains are the chains of sin. That's what they are. And we in this life have the chains of sin from the time we are born. When we get saved, something happens. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not, what's that word, entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's very simply saying this, we've been free, so let's stay in freedom and not go and get ourselves wrapped up again in bondage. That's the road to entanglement. The road to entanglement comes from the influence of the wicked. Amen. In verse number 18 of our passage said, they speak great swelling words of vanity and they allure through the lust of the flesh and much wantonness. And we see all that. It said that those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. That there are those who are sinning around us. Can you say amen? What happens is when a Christian surrounds themselves with people who are covered in the chains of their sin, they are more likely to become entangled again with the same sin. Amen. The fact of the matter is, very simply, you will be more like your friends than your fathers, is the old saying that is said. The people that you put around yourself, you will be influenced by them. You will have interests that are same as your friends. You will talk the way that the people around you talk. You will, you will say things they say. You will do things they do. You will go where they go. Say, well, I, I'm keeping myself separate from all their sin. Yeah, that works for a while. We all say, well, I'm trying to help them. You know it's a lot easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up? That's also true in the spiritual walk. That when we surround ourselves with the influence of wickedness, we watch anything we want to watch, listen to... Are y'all okay? Y'all stay with me. We listen to anything we want to listen to. We fill our televisions and our homes with wantonness, uncleanness, and filthiness. And then we go, man, why am I struggling to read my Bible and pray? The reason is this. The influence of the wicked will influence you. The point here's what Paul told Timothy. He said, no man that war, talking about that spiritual war, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So the influence of the wicked brings us to a place where we are on the road to entanglement. If you are surrounded from Monday to Friday and the people you hang out with and talk with and spend your time with are not Christians and they're comfortable in your presence and you're not being a witness to them, and you're listening to the same thing they're listening to and going where they're going and doing what they're doing, that will influence you. Are we all tempted to sin? In fact, the Bible says every man sins when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. There are things in life that draw me. Are there things that draw your lusts and your desires? If a man is an alcoholic and he knows... That smell of that liquor, when I smell it, I remember, and I have all those things. You know what would be the worst thing that man can do if he's trying not to drink? Go around people who are drinking. I'm not going to drink, I'm just going to go to the bar because that's where my friends are going. Well, every man is enticed to sin when he's drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. And when we allow the influence of the wicked the influence of the wicked around us who they are in their sin. You understand? That's the, that these people, in, in verse number 18, they're still in their sin. They're not cleansed and they're not free. They're still in their sin and they're still in unwantedness and they're still in wickedness and those who've been cleansed are just around them enough that their lusts and their wickedness are suddenly drawing the clean. The influence of the wicked, we see the influx of worldliness. It might not start with pure wickedness, it starts with little things that are meant to weaken you, to weaken your stance. That it's, well, well, you know, it, it's not so much about what's right and what's wrong, but it's about what's acceptable. This week, Brother Tony, my uncle, uh, preached a message on don't walk on the edge. Is that it? Is that right? Don't, what is it? 
Don't live on the edge. That was it. Don't live on the edge. He was saying this. He, he said, we ought not live our lives saying, where's the line? And get as close as we can without falling into it. Because every single one of us are like sheep. We've gone astray, right? And so if you walk right up next to the ledge, and it's a ledge, and you stray an inch, you're down. And that we ought to instead give ourselves a little wiggle room. So if we stray a little, we're not out. That's, that's good, isn't it? Well, that's what happens when we begin to allow an influx of worldliness and we start looking at, well, it's not wrong per se. I know it's not exactly the way that, that maybe the best thing you can do, but it's acceptable. And God's not going to punish me for So I'm going to walk right here. Oh, all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. All you're doing is, is making provision for the flesh so that you will be tempted. And then when you're tempted and you fall, it weakens your sense. It weakens your standards. Soon you start finding yourself stretching the line. We talk about that line. Can I ask you a simple question this morning? That line in your life. So what's that line? It's our standards. We haven't really talked a whole lot about standards lately. And, and I've been thinking about doing a sermon on Sunday night sometime. I'll let you know so you can make sure you're not here. Amen. Standards. Things we live by. So I'm going to live this way, and these are things I'm not going to do. I'm not going to say. Places I'm not going to go. Where are your standards today? We'll call that the line. Where were they when you got saved? A couple years later. Where were they? Some of y'all that grew up in church when you were in a youth group. How's your music compared to the way it was then? How's the way you talk compared to the way it was then? Have you moved that line? And if you have, which way have you moved it? What happens is we are drawn, and when we are, we start going... Right? The danger that we don't understand is this. We are marching toward entanglement. Entanglement's bad. Entanglement's not real simple. It weakens your stance, weakens your standards, it weakens your spirituality. You find yourself less interested in the things of God and more interested in carnal and worldly things. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about in your life, the time in your life where you would say, mm, I think I was the closest to God at this time in my life. Is that now or is it sometime far in the past? I'm not saying that to make you feel bad about yourself or to beat you up. Anyway, I'm doing it all. I want, you, I want you to see this morning. Amen. I want you to see clearly. The Bible is a light. The point of the light is to show us the darkness. And we need to see it because I think the devil has blinded our eyes, hasn't he? I want you to see it. Am I, am I as close to God today as I've ever been? If the answer is no. Well, I've got good news. You can be. Amen. You can be. But we need to actually look at it for what it is. To view our spirituality. Have I become... Am I way more interested in any hobby you can name than anything going on in the house of God? Hey, young people, children, look at me this morning. When it's time for church, it's time for Sunday school, it's time for VBS and youth camp, you ought to be excited. If someone had told me when I was 14 I wasn't going to get to go to teen camp, it would have wrecked my whole world. You know, because then little things seem so big, and I'm not saying that camp is little, but you know, it was important to me. And I wasn't always what I ought to be. But I remember a time when I was about 15, 16, I'd just been called to preach, and God got a hold of my heart in a way He had never done it. And I remember my Bible study grew exponentially in that year, and my, my prayer time grew exponentially. And I can think back to that time and think, wow, God, how, how my spirituality bloomed. And then I remember when I was about 16, 17, it went like this. And I remember it dwindling, Brother Tim. Got a girlfriend. Got friends at school. And, and I never walked away from God and just went into full-on wantonness. But I'll tell you this, my spirituality waned because I became more concerned with worldly things, even things that aren't necessarily wrong, like sports and video games and fishing and hunting and, and whatever it may be that you like or enjoy. But I became so consumed with those things that that I was so filled up with worldly things that eventually that did lead to some sinful things. Can you, all, can you all hear me this morning? It's not a sin to go fishing. It's not a sin to go hunting. It's not a sin to play a game or to, to watch a film. But there are sinful things in all of those. 
if you're laying out of church all the time because, well, it's summer, and summertime I just don't really go to church, or, well, it's deer season, so I don't go to church, well, that's not right because you're forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, which you ought not do, right? Say, so, well, playing video games ain't bad, but when you're playing video games are full of filth, they say amen. That's wrong. Watching TV is not bad, but when what you're watching is something you would absolutely never want your kids to see ever in their lives, right? Amen. We allow worldliness to come back and say, man, this is real great fun preaching. I want to help you. I'm talking about the road to entanglement. Let me, let me show you something. The road to entanglement is filled with all these, these draws, these things. But I want to talk to you about the risk of entanglement. Here's what Peter said. While they promise liberty, they, they say we're free. Oh, y'all at church, man, they just want to control you. You ever heard that? Y'all just want to tell us we can't, we can't, we can't. They're, y'all never have any fun. Y'all don't let us do anything fun or do anything cool. We're the ones who are free. That's what they say. But they're not. They're so unfree, they can't even tell themselves no. Amen? They're in bondage. The risk of entanglement is this. He said, they themselves are the servant of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. It's a false freedom. That word bondage, it means slavery. It is an involuntary servitude, captivity, imprisonment, restraint of a person's liberty by compulsion. In Scripture, scriptural subjection to sin and corrupt passions or the yoke of the ceremonial law. It is a bondage and it is a false freedom. They say we are free, but in truth they are in bondage. Can you see that? Well, I I live my life the way I want to live it. No, you live your life the way that sin and the world tells you to live it. You live that life by the way your friends tell you to live it. You live your life by the way that every impulse you have has so much control over you that you can't even do the things you need to do and stop doing the things you need to stop doing because you're in bondage, right? It's a false freedom, but it is a baleful bondage. Callie, come on up here for me. I've asked Callie to help me with something real quick. I've got a gift for you, Callie. I want you to cherish it. It's fishing line. Any of y'all ever been fishing? I'm standing right there on the corner. Y'all ever had a backlash? Brother Joe has. Ever use a bait caster? Don't. Fishing, everything's going good. You just had a bite. You know that next one. Oh, I'm going to catch them. I know exactly where that fish is. I'm going to throw it back. I've already got it entangled here. And then you go to cast it, and suddenly, what we call a rat's nest. Y'all ever seen one of those? A rat's nest. Here, Kelly, I want you to just count, just for a couple minutes, see if you can get that untangled. Now, how many of y'all have spent 30 minutes? Trying to get that untangled. You know what that's like, Brother Tim? It's like a sinner. Let me see that, Kelly. Look, look at this. I'm pretty sure it is a mathematical impossibility to save this. And even if you did, by the time you got done with it, it wouldn't be fit to be used, would it, Brother Joe? You know what they say? Ah, Pap would always say, eh, ain't no good, just cut it off and go on. I'm like, but Pap, I don't want to. Yeah, just cut it off and go on. Well, see, when you're born, from the time you learn to talk, you start tangling. Tell a lie. Look at something you shouldn't. Say something you shouldn't. And then if you're, if you're lucky enough and you're blessed enough and God has been kind enough to you for you to be born in a country like ours, in a place like this, one day you hear a story about a man who lived a whole life and never had one tangle. Never. Never said a bad word. Never had a bad thought that he dwelt on. Never hurt anyone. Loved everybody. And he died a horrible death for you. And then you look at your life and you say, God, this is a mess. And God says, well, I've got good news for you. And he takes out his old country pocket knife. He looks at that mess. He says, you know what? You really don't need all this. Here. Cuts it. He gives you something brand new. 
Is there any tangles in that? Well, that's because I'm not talking to you, Siri. Look at that. Hold that up there. That's white as snow. Though our sins be as scarlet, it should be white as snow. There's not a tangle. There's not a bad word. There's not a bad thought. It's clean. It's pure. It's perfect. You know what that is? A brand new life. It's a clean slate. You ever wish you could get a clean slate? Start over? Guess what? You can. If you're lost, you can come to God no matter what you've done, and He will wash all of your sins away. Thank you, Kelly. You can go sit down. You can take that with you. That's yours. That's what happens when you get saved. Psalm 103, verse 11 says this, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. So how far is that? Well, it's until the east and the west catch up with each other. And guess what? They don't. They're gone. And this mess in my pocket, God does a better job. He does a Houdini on it. It's gone. I can't do it. But He makes it disappear. It's not covered. It's cleansed. It's gone. White as snow. It's like there never was a sin in the first place. And when God looks at it, all our past, present, and future sins, when it concerns the judgment of God's wrath in hell, they're gone forever. Amen. Amen. What a glorious thing that is. That God would take a tangled up, messed up life and some, let's be honest, it's just a few little tangles. I got saved when I was eight years old. I hadn't done anything too terribly bad by that point. Just a few little tangles. And then some, they don't get saved until much later in life. And, and they've been in prison or they've endured. They've been, they've been in sin their whole life. And 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it don't matter how big the tangle is. When the blood is applied, it's washed away forever. Amen. amen. Say amen this morning. If you've been saved, you've been cleansed of your sin. What a glorious truth that God would take a tangled up mess of a life and just amen. start it all the way over. What a great God. Why? Because Jesus never had a tangle and we become like He is. And we have His righteousness imputed into us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What a wonderful blessing that is. But can I tell you what this morning really concerns me and breaks my heart? Oftentimes God will give us that reset, that cleanse, that totally new life. And then, at some point we allow the worldliness to come around. And we've got our clean string. Looks good. See it? Get around the wrong people. Get around the same old stuff. Go get our old CDs, our old records. And start going to the same places we always used to go, doing the same things we always used to do. And that life continues on. It does continue on. You see that? Before you know it, you get a, get a tangle. Just a little one. Not too bad. Just a little. We'll just give it a little tug in the wrong direction. You don't got to work hard to get a tangle in this stuff, do you? In fact, it happens by accident a lot of times. All I did with that was pull it out, sit it down, pick it up five minutes later, it's impossible. See that? Just one. You start to feel convicted about it. And you go to it, you start messing with it. You say, well, maybe if I pull a little this way or pull a little that way and be careful. I know I've gotten away in my music. I've been listening to stuff that don't glorify God. It glorifies sin. Y'all know music that glorifies sin does not please God? Been watching things that tempts my flesh. I need to be careful. I don't want to do that. Tangled. I'm going to get that tangle out. And sometimes, you get it. I got it. No tangle. But if you don't get that tangle out, Brother Tim, you just keep tangling. Keep pulling. Keep tangling. Keep pulling. Paul said they become entangled again with the affairs of this life. It's not some big heinous thing. It's just stuff. Seeing things you shouldn't. Tempted. You fall here. You fall there. Before you know it, life you know, just keeps growing. Keeps getting bigger. Keeps growing. Keeps getting bigger. Keeps growing. 
keeps getting bigger. We go to the wrong places. We say the things we shouldn't say again. We, we partake in things that, that Christians don't partake in. Amen. We, we go back around the alcohol or the drugs. We go back around the parties. or We go back around the wickedness. We go back around the sin. We go back around the gossip table. Amen. We go back around these things that, that, that don't please God. And what happens is before too long, we become entangled again. And let me ask you Christians, Brother Joe, you ever, you ever looked at your life as a Christian and said, God, I've got some things in my life and they're a tangled up mess? God, I've been saved since I was eight years old. I'm 35 now, so God, I've been saved over 20 years. Am I mathing right? Yeah, thank you. Got to ask Brooke, she's the math genius. And I look at my life and I go, God, I keep going to the altar. I go to teen camp, or I go to the youth rally, or I go to the camp meeting, or I go to the Sunday morning, I go to Sunday school, and the preacher gets up and he preaches, he tells you that you ought not be committing wickedness in the flesh. You ought not be committing fornication. Amen. 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 You ought not be going there. You ought not be doing those things. You ought not be saying those things. And then suddenly I look down my life and I'm like, God, I've allowed a mess and I've done this. Lord, look at this. You know what, God? I'm going to go to the altar, and when I get up, it'll be just like it was last time. But God don't cut it loose again. It's only been cut loose once. Peter said this, it'd be better that you never did it than that you did it and then went back to this. That is a powerful statement. And when I read that, I think, God, how is that possible? How could it be better for them to have never? Because if they've never, you know what happens? They go to hell. As far as I'm concerned, in my mind, I think that's about as bad as it gets. The reason I believe Peter was saying it's better is because once you re-entangle, when you got entangled the first time, the truth is this, you're just a sinner. You know what sinners do? Anybody know what sinners do? They sin. They can't help but get entangled. That's who they are. But Callie, if you take that clean stretch that was given to you by God, and you start twisting and entangling it, it's not something that's happening to you. It is as a dog returneth to its vomit. It's you purposefully of your own free will having been set free. Are you also with me? I won't be much longer. Having been set free from sin. Son shall make you free, shall be free indeed. And you know what it says? Free from sin. Clean slate. You go back. It is ten times harder for a Christian who has re-entangled themselves with sin to get free from it again than any sinner. Listen to me. It is ten times harder for any Christian who willingly re-entangles themselves in sin to then get free than any sinner. All a sinner has to do to get free from sin is say, Lord, save me. I believe you. I believe in you. I'm putting my trust in you. But when a Christian who has been given that freedom, been given that clean slate, been given everything, they go back to the vomit, the wantonness, the filth. We were hollering amen about that leprous disease that sin is. Amen. And they go back and they start putting on the chains. You know what they'll find out? It's harder to get them back off now than it ever was the first time. How many have you seen? They go and they try 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 and they try. And it's like, brother, it just won't stick. It's because it's a lot harder to get it off when you put it on yourself on purpose. Now, I could hand this off to Brother Tim this morning after giving some good hard tugs here. Make a real mess out of this. You know, Brother Joe, I could give it to you. I can just, just take it and go like this and just make a mess. Say, hey, Brother Joe, can you get all the knots out of this? And if I give you enough time, you know what the truth is? Maybe you eventually could. But you know what happens? I said it before with fishing line. Once you've had a bad knot, it makes it weaker. Doesn't it? There's a spot I had just a minute ago. I can't find it now because it's a mess. Where I took that knot out and it felt like rough. It's rougher. And when it's rough like that, it can't handle the same pressure that it could handle before. Now, it's easier to break. It's easier to get tangled. It's easier to fall back in. 
Brother Paul, why are you telling me this? This is a depressing message. I got two things I want to tell you, and I'm going to just shut it down. One, if you're here this morning and you have just started kind of letting a few tangles back in, can I encourage you? Stop. It's not too bad yet. Shouldn't be too bad for you to come up here and ask Him to forgive us because we know 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I told you before, when He, when he cleanses you, he, he forgives you of past, present, future sins. But, but I want you to understand something. The Bible also says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. I know I think I got those backwards, but it's the same thing, right? You reap corruption. So what is that? It's bad. It's that leprosy, that cancer, that sickness, that disease. It, it eats up. One of the preachers this morning was talking about reaping. He said this about the laws of sowing and reaping. He said this, and it stuck with me. He said, you always reap more than you sowed. You sow them little seeds, and it grows into something bigger. Let me encourage you, young people. I, I got some things, maybe some music, or some things I'm looking at, some things I'm doing, and I have, I've gone, and I, and I want to return... From this entanglement, let me encourage you, stop before it gets too bad. It's not, so, it's not too bad when I had that first little knot and I tied it to get it loose. You just got to find the right thing and pull. And that right thing is coming right here. Some sins will never, ever be gotten rid of until you get serious enough to put your pride behind you. But if you come and you let God, He can pull that right string, He can take that thing out, and it can be, man, it can be like it was. But those of us who've been in this for a while, can we be honest? Are there some things in your life that even though they're great, aren't quite the same? Because of sin? I got anybody this morning that will testify? I have scars because of entanglements. And though God got me out of it, and He restored me, and I'm back in the good graces of God, and my, my, my life, it looks more like it did in the beginning, if, if, I, if I'm being honest with you, there's some times when I'm trying to do right and I'm trying to serve God, and I hear that. That music, or I smell that, or I see that, or I think of that, and suddenly I'm, I'm back there. I've got some scars in my life that for the rest of my life before heaven, I'll struggle with. I've been made weaker. I, the, structural, the structural integrity of my walk with God has been affected. Is there anybody this morning who will, I'll tell you right now, as your pastor... There are things in this life that tempt me and that draw me that are a 100% direct, absolute response of things in my life where I was re-entangled again. There are consequences to sin. I, I don't want you to think, well, I, I'm in danger of hellfire. If you've been saved, you're not in danger of hellfire. But would you, when you allow the world to come in and filth you back up, here's what happens. You put yourself back in bondage. And God can restore you. I preached a while back on naming and going down seven times, right? And finally, come up clean. But can I tell you, sometimes there are scars that in our flesh we will never break free on. We will always be tempted. We will always struggle. We will always have the battle in our mind when the devil says, you're not like them, you're not fit as them, you're not as good as them all because of things that, that, that damaged us. And God's forgiven us. And God has cleansed us. And God can restore us. Absolutely. But there are still consequences that you will bear in your mind, in your heart. Will any of you say amen? Yeah. Let me encourage you. Don't be entangled. Again. Those temptations that are drawing you, those things you've been 
thinking about or toying around with or leaning toward. You've been moving that line. Stop going that way. Well, I've been safe, so I'm good. No, 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 no. Don't, don't go that way. There is a reaping of sowing. There is suffering in this life as a direct result of our sin. Amen. Even if we're saved. Sin is a captive. It binds. It holds. Don't go that way. You don't want you or your family or your children or your friends or those who love you to suffer because of that entanglement again. Don't go that way. Don't do it. If there's some tangles and some knots, come up here this morning and bow down and ask God, God, will you help me? Will you cleanse me? Will you help me get victory over this sin? Because if you don't, eventually you're going to get to be a knotted up mess. And some, Brother Tim, I hate to say it, but some have looked at their life and the mess it is and they say, I tried. I just can't get loose. Because it's not simple. It takes work. And time. It takes effort and prayer. And it's hard work to clear it out. So this morning, will you stand with me? Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.